trying to cap off a third straight scoring drive. Tannehill, the snap, QB sneak up the middle. Touchdown, Tennessee. They march right down the field again on this Raiders defense. And Ryan Tannehill is Tennessee flying here in the first half. It's Titans 20, Raiders 10. On a gun on third and five. Carr back to pass, pressure off the edge. Beat Mumford and a sack. Rashad Weaver takes Carr down at the 12, spun him around. And now the Titans and Mike Frabel taking timeout. They have it on the Titans six. Lower the motion man left to right. Carr, five step drop, fires over the middle. In and out of the hands of the receiver, picked off. Kevin Byard out of the end zone. Still on his feet at the 10, out to the 20. And the Titans with the takeaway off the incompletion. Carr was looking for his tight end over the middle, hit him in his hands, bounced around, and picked off. And the Raiders are going for two here. Have to. Down 24 yeah, 22. They trailed by 14 at the half. Defense didn't give up a point. Two point conversion to tie with 1.14 to go. Both teams out of timeouts. Carr out of the gun. Back to pass, lofts it down the middle, deflected twice and incomplete. He tried to loft one to Darren Waller, but Kevin Byard got his hands on it, and now the Raiders will have to try an onside kick. Yeah, um, yeah I think just the overall feeling of losing is what, uh, is what breaks my heart, you know? And um, you know, I, I feel, I, I know, I've seen what it takes to win at this level, and I, I see what our coaches are saying every week, and. Um, you know, that's why we, I believe in what we're doing, you know, but we don't have the results yet. And so that, that's always hard. So you just got to keep reminding the young guys, they don't know any better either, you know, that trust me, like if we just, if you just do it the way they're saying, you do it the right way. When, it, when you show up on Sunday, it'll get done. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I do enjoy you still got Shane Beamer in there. Just sneak him in no matter what. Uh, the Raiders are 0-3 after their two-point loss to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. We started the show 7 o'clock talking about the coaching staff, how hot of a seat does Josh McDaniels have, the closed-door meeting with Mark Davis before he talked to the media. But now want to focus on the actual players in this game. And we'll start with Devontae Adams. Uh, he had five catches for 36 yards, was targeted 10 times. The last two weeks for Devontae Adams, he has been targeted 17 times, but has only caught seven of those passes for 48 yards. It is the first time since week 13 and 14 of 2015 that Devontae Adams has had less than 50 total receiving yards over any two-week span. And uh, if you remember, Devontae Adams wasn't actually a superstar wide receiver when he first came to the league. It took until about year three to break out. That was in 2016. So this was back when Adams was more of a uh, depth-type receiver for the Packers, not necessarily the star number one guy. So since he's been considered one of the top receivers in the NFL, this is the worst two-week stretch that Devontae Adams has had. Is there blame to go, or should the blame lie at the feet of Derek Carr, at Josh McDaniels? Like, what's the problem? Why do we think Devontae Adams has 48 yards in the last two weeks? 
it's interesting that you and I went about researching this in similar but different ways because I looked up when was the last time he had a three-game stretch with this few receiving yards, and the answer is November of 2019. So it's been a while since Devontae Adams hasn't come down with the ball this much. And what worries me is this. So if you look at target share, actually just targets. We can do target share later. If you look at just targets, Devontae Adams is third in the NFL. He's one behind the leaders with 34 targets through the first three weeks. He has 17 catches on those 34 targets. For comparison, Mac Hollins has 14 catches on 19 targets. <laughs> So what exactly is going on here? Like, are we looking at Devontae Adams not being a great route runner and getting open? I highly doubt it. Are we looking at Derek Carr forcing the ball to Devontae Adams when he's under pressure and not being accurate? I don't know. So I don't know what's going on when it comes to the fact that they're looking for Devontae Adams, but they're not finding him. Right. The The catch rate is, I think, fascinating here because, like you just said, he has caught 50% of his targets so far this season. And I don't believe he has any drops. He did have the one on the sideline where he probably could have gotten two feet down, but did not get two feet down this past week, but 50%. That's how many targets he has caught this year in his eight years in green Bay. He caught 66% of his total targets. Now that includes the early years where he was under 60%. If you look at his last two years in green Bay, where he was far and away the number one receiver on that team, like the only receiver on that team. He caught 77% of his targets and then 73% of his targets his last two years in Green Bay. So basically, the two years prior to coming to Vegas, if Aaron Rodgers threw to Devontae Adams, he caught three-fourths of those balls. He's caught 50% through two games. And I don't know what the exact answer is because... Maybe we can point to, well, Matt Collins had a big day because the Titans were so focused on taking away Devontae Adams that they just did not give him any opportunity to get open. So there's nothing to throw to. And Carl forced it a few times, but it's not going to be a good pass or a smart pass or anything like that. But the offense isn't exactly exploding because of that. Because in my mind, if a defense is going to go so far out of its way to take away Devontae Adams then your passing game should be terrific because guys like Darren Waller, Matt Collins, when Hunter Renfro comes back, should be open. And the part that really is curious to me is when you look at what he was playing with last year, who was the Packers' second-best receiver last year? Whatever focus he's getting now, I have a hard time believing it's different than what he was getting in Green Bay the last couple of seasons. Well, if you want to take that stat a bit farther, Tyler... Look at the top 50 receivers this year so far through three weeks in targets. Of the top 50 receivers in targets, only three of them have a catch rate at 50% or below. Devontae Adams is one at 50%. Brandon Cooks in Houston at 45%. He has Davis Mills throwing to him. And then CeeDee Lamb in Dallas at 41% who has Cooper Rush throwing to him. So... That says to me that there is a major problem here, right? You can't just look and say, well, it's great because that means that Mac Hollins is open. It's great because Waller and Renfro are open. No, you didn't give up two first-round picks and give out that contract for a decoy. And again, this is not to drag Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams is still just as good of a football player as he's been. It's to say the idea that the Raiders were going to bring in one receiver and it was going to fix everything was folly from the beginning. Uh, on just... 
this Sunday particular. Do you think Darren Waller was their biggest problem on Sunday? Because he dropped three passes and all three could have potentially been touchdowns. One, he would have had to run another 20 to 30 yards. Maybe he would have gotten caught. But potentially three touchdown passes and one of them turned into an interception that got popped up. He had three catches total for 22 yards. Was he their biggest problem? I don't know that he was their biggest problem, but I think it speaks to a bigger problem with this team, which is that if those superstars who are supposed to be the difference between the Raiders and anyone else that they play, if those superstars do not perform at a superstar level, they're going to lose. And that's just reality with the roster that they've built. So if Devontae Adams is not outstanding, if Darren Waller is dropping passes, this team's going to lose because they don't win matchups anywhere else on the field, right? Their offensive line isn't better than anybody else. Their secondary is not better than anybody else. And you can go down the roster and say most weeks they're not going to be better than any other team except with the pass-catching options. And so if the pass-catching options don't come through, then you're going to have a week like you did. And by the way, you can't just say it was Darren Waller because Keelan Cole dropped what would have been the tying touchdown pass before they eventually got it to Matt Collins. The good thing Matt Collins is out there to out-jump everybody. All right. On the defensive side here, uh, wait, are pro football focus grades up? Do we yeah, know the, grades are, the grades are up if you want to use those what, numbers. What did Chandler Jones get? And is is he done? Like, are, are, Is it just over for Chandler Jones? I heard his name. He on did. the broadcast, he, he he almost got to the quarterback one time. Yeah, they let him. They they didn't block him on a screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's uh, that's one way for it to happen. Uh, Chandler Jones in week three had a 58 pro football focus grade. Uh, his highest was week one against the Chargers at 67. He was a 41 last week. He has seven total pressures through three weeks, and he has zero sacks and if you go back and look at the career of Chandler Jones you find out why that's such a problem right because Chandler Jones has not been this bad throughout his career he's a guy who's been a double digit sack guy in fact if you just go back and look at last year for Chandler Jones he had seven pressures in week one alone to go with those five sacks that he ended up with on the season so I'm not saying he's done but I'm saying you better be worried could it be that they're not using him right well on the, on the usage of him, the funny part here is that his snap total dropped off kind of significantly. Uh, he was at 69%, played 69% of the snaps uh, on Sunday. He was, I think, over 90% in each of the first two weeks. And here's the thing. Who is he losing snaps to? It's Cleveland Furl. Oh, guy, my God! The guy that the Raiders did not pick up the fifth-year option on. The guy that has been, you know, one of the worst top five picks that can't get any pressure, period. They played Cleveland Furl again. He still Chandler Jones still played sixty nine percent of the snaps, so still the majority. But he lost snaps to Cleveland Furl in week three of the season. So think about it this way: if you look at just pass rush grades, right? Because that's what he's here to do. Don't worry about the run defense tackling. Like the the PFF grades are a combined number. Let's just break it down to pass rush. He had one year in his career where he was a sixty three two years ago for Arizona. Last year he had an eighty eight. Grade. Two years ago, he was a 63. Three years ago, he was a 90. Then he had an 85 and an 84 in his overall last few years. So right now, he's at 59. And so you have a serious, serious concern on your hands here because life should be fairly easy for Chandler Jones with the fact that Max Crosby is drawing all the attention, right? Yannick Ngakwe still had a reasonably good year last year for the Raiders, but Chandler Jones has not matched that as yet. 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. The, the one year he had a bad pro football focus grade, 2020, he got hurt that year, I believe? Correct. He only yeah. played 286 snaps. Yeah, so basically he's been awesome as a pass rusher, except for the one season that he was hurt, and he's now worse than even that right now, three games in. I'm, I mean, the defense, I don't know, how, how, how are you looking at the defense right now? Because we've seen each of the last two games, they've had a half where they don't give up any points whatsoever. But it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a good defense by any means, but kind of what we expected. Tyler, I think the best part that we can say about the defense is that we haven't noticed them. Right? That's theoretically, if the Raiders were going to be a playoff team this year, we wanted to not notice the defense. They had to just be good enough that an elite offense was going to get the job done. And right now, the Raiders' overall defense grade by pro football focus is 21st. I would argue that if the offense were doing what it was supposed to do, that the Raiders could get by with a defense that was ranked 21st. You know what the problem is? The offense is also ranked 21st. <laughs> uh, and just to cap this off here, looking at PFF grades, the lowest graded defensive player for the Raiders on Sunday was Jonathan Abram. They, wait a minute. Hold on a Whoa, second. Whoa, are you sure? I, wait, I have a question about that, though. How did he actually get a grade? He was on the field. No, no, but the, his grade was it should he? just been was it shouldn't it just been a zero? No, 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 no. He got a thirty-three, which is oh, like the lowest okay. I've seen. Uh, he got a sixty-six for pass rushing. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's fantastic. By the way, uh, those of us who told told us that Jonathan Abram was going to be all right, uh, his coverage grade this year is a forty-nine. That's oh. really hey. solid. Yeah. That actually sounds like it might be an improvement. Yeah. No, it's not. He was a 54 last year. Ah, Uh, All right. His four-year high. Coming up next, (laughs) it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. Coming up in about 20 minutes, tickets to go see Eddie Vedder. So stay tuned if you want to win some tickets to do that. Also, Kevin Martin's going to join us in about 10 minutes. But UNLV football, we got a good football team. Uh, in Las Vegas. They are 3-1 and one after beating Utah State 34-24. It is the first time UNLV has been 3-1 and one since 2008, which, by the way, quickly on the 2018, team, somehow that team did not go to a bowl game. They started the year 3-1, and one, and that included wins over Arizona State and Iowa State. They beat two teams in power conferences to get to 3-1 and one, and then lost five straight games. Then they were five and six going into the final week and lost to San Diego State to finish five and seven. So three and one, the last time UNLV did it, actually didn't result in a bowl game. Uh, however, with this UNLV team, we'll probably do this later in the week, but it's hard to go through their schedule at the moment and find uh, six more losses, which is what would have to happen for them to not get to six and six and a bowl game. That's a kind of difficult thing to find right now, given the state of the rest of the Mountain West. It could still happen, but six more losses seems a little difficult. Uh, Now, for UNLV football this year, there are two stats I wish I had. First is Doug Brumfield's numbers when he is under pressure versus when he is not under pressure because Doug Brumfield has been incredible 
this season when he is not under pressure. I would guess on Saturday, I don't know, he maybe threw like four or five incompletions when he wasn't under pressure. He was excellent. I, it's, it's to a point where I wonder how there was a quarterback battle because Doug Brumfield, he had to have been phenomenal at seven on seven because he's accurate and he has a cannon. And just when you watch either the play live or just on replays, you can see him going through his progression. When there's a clean pocket, he will go from receiver one to receiver two to receiver three and make the right read, right? He's very, very good. But I'd also guess on Saturday, he did not complete a single pass when he was under any pressure at all. Against athletic defenses, he's going to take sacks. Uh, If you go back to the North Texas game, Their defense was slow and their defense was small. He could run around or run through pretty much any pressure. But Cal got to him quite a bit, uh, and that's the one game UNLV lost. It's the one game Doug Brumfield didn't play well in. Utah State actually got to him a little bit as well uh, and did a good job preventing any scrambles, any rushing yards out of passing plays from Doug Brumfield. But in clean pockets... He's incredible, like absolutely phenomenal when he has time. So I, I kind of wish I could see those numbers just to compare because I think he's been unreal when he hasn't been under, in, under any pressure. The other stat I wish I had was yards before contact for Aiden Robbins, the running back, because I got to think he's averaging five yards per carry before contact the last two weeks. The offensive line has been excellent. Robbins has had a bunch of big runs. And it's rarely because he has broken multiple tackles or like made a great juke move. He just isn't touched for like five plus yards at a time. And those two stats that I I don't have that I wish I have tell you this, the offensive line has been very good in UNLV's last two games. And if they keep that up, if we're still talking about Brumfield throwing from a clean pocket, most of the season and Robin's not being touched three, four, five yards down the field on most carries, UNLV is going to have a top three Mountain West offense. It's just, it's going to happen if that is able to continue. We'll see if it does the rest of the season, because here's, here's the question I still have. Has UNLV beaten any good teams yet? Idaho state's winless. They're going to be one of the worst FCS teams in the country. North Texas does have a win over UTEP who just went and beat Boise state and they beat an FCS team, but they lost to SMU by 38 and they lost to Memphis by 10 plus the blowout loss to UNLV. So they've got three losses and they haven't been competitive in any of them. And Utah state's not any good. I mean, they lost to Weber state 35 to seven. So we know Utah state's not any good. Now UNLV is normally the team is not any good. They've taken a step beyond that, but I'm not sure if the wins they have so far are going to translate to when they play a Fresno state, an air force, a San Jose state, a Notre Dame, right? I, I don't know if that matters. It will matter when they play Hawaii and Nevada to end the season because those two teams are are bad too. Like the, they're just more bad teams the UNLV has to play. Um, now, on to this actual Utah State game. Utah State had one of the worst plays I've ever seen. They were punting, and Utah State managed to interfere with the punt returner. Not only did they interfere with the punt returner, after the whistle, the same guy who interfered with the punt returner gave a solid two-hand shove into the returner's chest He got flagged twice on the play, but that wasn't even the worst part because Utah State's punter actually caught the snap with his knee on the ground. So the punt never even happened. He was on his own five-yard line when he caught the snap with his knee on the ground, and then they added one of those flags. UNLV got the ball at the two-and-a-half-yard line and ended up scoring. Utah State jumped offside on a fourth-and-one for UNLV. Utah State scored a touchdown 
and managed to get two 15-yard penalties after the touchdown. They kicked off from their own 10-yard line. Their quarterback threw five interceptions, two of which were just right to the chest of UNLV defender, plus he fumbled again, and guess what? They left him in for all of those turnovers. Utah State actually outgained UNLV 419-320 to 320 in that game. Utah State averaged more yards per play as well, 5.7 to 4.4. That's an entire yard more per play, which is a big deal. Like, normally, you average a yard per play more, you blow the other team out. So they just need Josh McDaniels to teach them how to win. That's exactly what they need, and they'd be great. Utah State in that game, though, despite outgaining UNLV, despite having a significant edge in yards per play, They had the six turnovers, and UNLV stopped them three times on fourth down. Granted, one of those was the punter, so UNLV stopped them twice, and the punter took a knee. That is effectively nine turnovers in a football game. And not to take away from what UNLV has done so far. they By far, the best quarterback I've ever seen them have. Probably the best defense I've ever seen them have as well, and it's not particularly close. But Utah State's very, very bad. That is a bad football team that beat themselves in that game. Like you Again, UNLV looks good, as good as they've been since I've been here. But Utah State was very bad. When you effectively have nine turnovers in a game, you're never going to win. And here's the thing. UNLV, had, or UNLV basically was plus nine in the turnover department because they didn't turn it over, and they didn't have a fourth down giveaway either. And still only won the game by 10. Like... It's a win, and it's it's we're in a weird place where I can talk about a UNLV win where, oh, it wasn't actually the best win they've had, but that wasn't actually the best win they've had. When you get outgained by over a yard per play, you're plus nine effectively in the turnover game, and you only win by 10, you kind of look around and say, ah, maybe that wasn't the prettiest win. Maybe that doesn't have a good omen for the future, but they won the game by 10, and they're three and one, and it's the Maybe the weirdest place I've been with UNLV football to talk about a win in a way where I'm not actually that impressed, where I think they could have played better. They could have done more, and they won a road game in the Mountain West by 10 points. I mean, in the end, that's all that matters, right? We've talked so many times about how close UNLV was, and I think that was the story of last year. We talked last year about UNLV and said, how many one-score games did they lose? Same reason we talked about the Raiders and said, how many one-score games did they win? Well, maybe the Raiders weren't that as good as what we saw, and maybe the Rebels weren't as bad as what we thought, and we're seeing both of them kind of equalize. Uh, is UNLV going to win a close game this year, though? Because they still have not done that. They're still 0-1 so far in close games. I think Marcus Arroyo's plan for us to never criticize his performance <laughs> in close games is to never be in a close game. All right, coming up next, Kevin e. Martin joins the show. Jameis looks, looks, now throws up high, and Marquez Callaway comes down with it. Marquez went up and just one-handed it back in for a four-yard score. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. Joining us now from Channel 8, 8 News Now, Kevin E. Martin. Good morning, Kevin. How are you, how are you today? Good morning, guys. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. All right. Important question. Kevin E. Martin, you are the owner of the Raiders. You hire a new coach. He spends a lot of money in the offseason, brings in some highly talented players, and he starts 0-3. You have a closed-door meeting with him after the game before he talks to the media. What are you telling him in that meeting? You're basically saying you got to win now or you're out. Oh, so wait, what is what does now mean to you? Like, do you think there's any chance Mark Davis would actually fire him in season? Uh, no, I mean, at that point, you're you're only moving backwards, right? Like, 
I mean, what's going to happen there? So give them till the end of the season. I mean, it. This is an unbelievable. Like, no, I don't think anyone saw this coming. This zero three start. So I think, yeah, that closed door meeting, at least from, you know, my guess. I mean, no one knows. Or some people might know, but is him saying you have to win or you're out? Kevin, we know you're a Steelers fan. Uh, would you rather be a Steelers fan or a Raiders fan for the rest of this season? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I'll go. I'll go Steelers. Um, I don't know. I mean, right now, I, I mean, are the Raiders cursed? Like, is there a curse on the Raiders? Like, I just, I'm, I, I'm starting to feel bad for Raider Nation. Like, this is just not not fair. <laughs> Ew, don't do that. Yeah, Jared doesn't like you feeling bad for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, does, doesn't like that at all. Um, okay, hold on. I do have a Steelers question for you. Is it Kenny Pickett time? Kenny Pickett time, baby. It has to be, right? What? I mean, come on. You go out and draft this kid. Hit guy. He looked promising in the preseason. I like him. Uh, put him in. Let's go. Yeah. Kenny and, Pickett time. And with a name like Pickett, he's going to be a great quarterback. Hey, I mean, not there's not much going on in Pittsburgh right now, so what, they can't really go any any farther south, right? <laughs> All right. So let's talk about hope and excitement, Kevin E, because we've got the Golden Knights just ready to start their uh, their preseason run here. Uh, so they fall last night, they come home and play tonight. What's the vibe you've gotten talking to the Golden Knights here thus far? Yeah, they're excited. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of the vets. Uh, during training camp, Alex Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, um, and they're motivated. Like, they, you know, I asked them straight up, I was like, did you see the talk on social media? Did you see the talk online? How essentially, for the most part, fan bases were ecstatic that Vegas did not make the playoffs, did not make the postseason. And I'm like, I don't know if you guys pay attention to that. And they said, no, we do. We saw everything. We read it. it we're using it as fuel, as motivation. Um, the extra long off season really, I think, woke these guys up. Um, obviously, they weren't healthy last year. I think um, stats-wise, they were like the most injured team, you know, across the board. Um, so, of course, you know, health is first and foremost. But they have the talent, they have the guys, and they underperformed last year, healthy or not. So they know that, and um, there's a ton of motivation, kind of like this rejuvenated feeling inside that locker room so far early on in training camp. So it's kind of exciting. Um, to see these guys, you know, really want to prove something. And they say they don't even have to prove it, prove people wrong. They want to prove to themselves within the locker room that they are still the team that it's last year. I mean, they, last year they started the season as the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. And we all know how last season finished. They didn't even make the postseason for the first time in franchise history. So, you know, they were embarrassed and they want to prove that they're that team that can get back to the Stanley Cup final. Kevin e. Martin with us from eight news now. Uh, so here's a question for you that might end up determining the golden Knights season. Logan Thompson, less than 20 games started in the NHL, but was very good in that limited sample size. What is your expectation? What do you think is a fair expectation for Logan Thompson? If he is in fact the number one goalie for this team? Yeah. I mean, there's so much riding on his shoulders, right? And I got the chance to talk to him as well. Um, and he thinks he's ready. He knows he's ready. Um, that's what he said to the media. Um, he wants the opportunity to be the number one goaltender for the Golden Knights. A fair expectation. Um, I mean, that's some big shoes to fill, right? I mean, no one knew except, 
you know, that Robin Leonard was going to be out this entire season. So, um, I mean, that's tough to say. It's early on, right? We haven't seen him in action this season, um, and, and he probably grew a lot, learned a lot during the off season. Um, so it's early to say, but, you know, I think expectations are high. Like you said, he's proven that he can play. Um, has he proven he can play an 82 season and be the number one goaltender? No, because he's never been in that position yet. Um, but, you know, give him the chance. Um, there's no better way to, you know, to learn than to be given the chance and prove that he does deserve that spot so um, expectation wise I think it's still too early to tell but maybe once he gets um, a couple preseason games under his belt and we kind of see him in action um, you know it'll be easier to guess what we can expect out of LT this season all right we don't spend a lot of time talking about minor league sports with the Las Vegas becoming a pro sports town now but I need a full breakdown of Reggie's night at Las Vegas ballpark Reggie was a menace. <laughs> what? What did he do? Uh, no, I'm joking. He's a he's just he's just he lives life to the fullest. That is Reggie's motto. Everything we do is the greatest thing we do. We could be just chill. I mean, and he's like that's, you know, that's how you're supposed to live, right? So yeah, he was just going up to every single dog, every single human. We actually, he's a wine rider for uh, people that don't know. No, and, uh, you, you can't. Uh, it was so much better when it was like an air of mystery of whether or not he was a dog or not. <laughs> well, well, if you guys, that's, I think we talked about this last time. For the longest time, I, I did for the Reg, listeners. Reggie was my boyfriend. Yes, it's great. Um, so but, what, um, what did he Yeah, we saw... Couple other eat? wines there, and um, he was just loving life. He he didn't pay any attention to the game, of course. He just wanted to go say hi to all the other pups. But uh, yeah, did he get to eat? In, did he get to eat anything at the game? He did. We shared a hot dog, um, and by share, I got like a a tiny little bite, and he ate the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it should be, right? Yes, of course. Uh, did he like? The aviators game, or does he like hiking more? Hiking. Um, he, if this dude could hike all day, every day, that would be his dream. He doesn't. He, he's literally the Energizer Bunny. He doesn't get tired, um, and he would prefer to be off leash. So when he's on leash, which he had to be, obviously at the aviators game, he was like looking at me like, "Yo, what's good? Let's go!" So because um, when we hike, obviously at Red Rock, he's off leash. So. Yeah, definitely a hike at Red Rock over an Aviators game, but it was still, you know, it was a fun night out. Got to see some other beautiful pups, great weather, beautiful ballpark. Can't complain. <laughs> no, no can't, com- no, can't complain at all. Remind me how old Reggie is. Reggie turned four on July oh. 1st, and every time I say his name, so he's also a Velcro dog, so he's always touching me at all times, and he's literally laying on top of me right now. Every time I say his name, he looks at me like, why are you talking about me? <laughs> um, but he turned four July 1st, so 28, okay. what is that, 28 years old, uh, human uh, years? Barely, barely, a, a, a very energetic 28-year-old. I like that because my, my yeah. dog is also an Energizer bunny. He's going to turn four here in about a couple of months, so I was kind of trying to get some information about like how long is my dog going to be this <laughs> giant ball of energy that i can't even keep up with right no it's i we had the same the same questions and you have an aussie right Adam? i i do Aww. have an aussie 
Yes, it's beautiful. I've seen I've seen some photos. Um, yeah, same. They have the same energy as limes, and um, yeah, I always ask other people. I'm like, when's it? When's it going to die down? And they're like, any 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 day now. And I'm just yeah, like, any day now. <laughs> but, yeah, um, tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. Always tomorrow. But hey, it keeps us in shape, and that's uh, true. So I'll take that's true. it. Kevin, uh, Tyler and Mike Gramala got challenged to a three-point contest. Um, oh. I'm not going to go into the full details, but how badly would you smoke them at such a contest? Oh, I'm not I'm not trying to make Tyler feel good, but Tyler has a really nice shot. Like, I'll give him that. What? Like, he knocks down. Yeah. He is a – whenever we play, I mean, like, I'm not trying I, – I wouldn't say this unless it was truthful, but Tyler's shot's legit. Mike has a pretty nice knockdown shot. Um, are you saying if me if I competed or who would win between the two of them? No, I'm saying uh, I'm saying how badly would you win? Like oh, like how I, th- I I I would put all of the money in my pockets on you. Of course, that's not even a question. She, she's a Division One athlete. Yeah, I know. Of course, she's going to be better than them. Stop. <laughs> I would love to see Tyler's reaction right now. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> you can sh- you can shoot better than me. Uh, okay, thanks, man. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any doubt in that. Kevin e. Martin can shoot better than me. That's that's easy. It's no problem at all. That's about it. We'll, yeah. we'll end it there. That's about where it ends. <laughs> if we if they would ever let me produce T-shirts, Kevin e. Martin could shoot better than me. Would be one of the T-shirts I would sell for the press box. Yes. Can. Um, Let's do it. Before we let you go, Kevin, e, do you last time I asked you to come on the show, you told me you were going on vacation and did yeah. you you went on a hiking vacation like you just hiked on vacation? I did. I did. Wait, you went on vacation to do exercise? Yes, yeah. and it wasn't easy. Um we summited Mount Hood, we tried to summit Mount Rainier, and then we did um the Enchantment Through. And if you know anything about the Enchantments Through, it's by far one of the hardest hikes I've ever done in my entire life. Um so yeah, I was more dead after the quote unquote vacation than before and I needed like a vacation from that vacation. Um so yeah, it was a blast. It was amazing. Um but yeah, it was exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you uh, you only did that to yourself. Uh, before we let you go, Mike Ramallah just texted me saying he does not agree. Uh, she's Mike? Kevin e. Martin. Oh, hey, he's listening, though. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. He is. Uh, <laughs> Kevin e. Martin from 8 News Now. Kevin, e., we appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Talk soon. So there's Kevin e. Martin um, on her dog, Reggie, which is the, the main topic, the only one we care about. Coming up now. Ne- oh, wait, I can give something away. Yeah, you do. Almost blew that. We got Eddie Vedder tickets. Eddie Vedder, lead singer of Pearl Jam, is performing at Dolby Live at Park MGM on Friday, October 7th. Name a Pearl Jam song. No chance. Um, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. (laughs) If you want to go see Eddie Vedder on Friday, October 7th, be caller number 10 right now at 702-364-1100. Yeah, there wasn't. I'm sure that's how it looked, but there really wasn't. He wanted to go for it, obviously. no, not a Hail Mary, something else that we have in the plan. But but I thought it was best not to do it. So he was just, he's a competitive kid, you know, and he wants to, you know, take advantage of every opportunity. I thought it was best just to let that ride there. But it really, if you heard the words that were said, that wasn't, I don't know how it looked to you guys, but it, it wasn't a confrontation at all. That's not what it was.
You're locked in the press box. Was that Andy Reid explaining why Pat Mahomes was so mad at halftime? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just throwing away drives at the end of halves. The Raiders are used to that. Uh, Adam Candy's been in all day. Adam Candy of Legal Sports Report filling in for Ed. Ed is back tomorrow. Uh, but now, oh, and also, congratulations to Tony. He won tickets to go see Eddie Vedder. Terrence is going to see Roger Waters and Patrick to 702 Brewfest. All week. Got those all week to give away. So stay tuned if you want to go see Eddie Vedder. And if you can name a Pearl Jam song, at least one more than I can. But now, I think, Adam, is this your favorite segment, Degenerate Danny? Is this the favorite thing, your favorite thing we do around here? It is the thing I love and hate the most. Okay. Uh, Danny's in here. Lindsey Brown's in here as well. Um, but Danny, can you, all right. Can you tell us, you told me earlier you had a good day yesterday. Correct. Which normally all we hear is the dumb stuff you bet on that you end up losing. So you actually get a little bit of a chance here. What'd you do well on? Uh, So yesterday um, I hit Lamar Jackson over one and a half passing touchdowns. Oh, Adam will like that one. That was plus money. That was a bet? That was plus money. (laughs) Hold on a second. Why are you kidding? He threw for three touchdown passes in each of the first two games. How is it only one and a half? What did you have, like minus 900? No, it was actually plus 125. I like it. Okay. The books do not respect Lamar Jackson's passing game. He's a running back. Racist. I can't wait until I get him plus money again at over one and a half this week. (laughs) What else did you bet? Um, One of my losses was Jimmy G over one and a half touchdown passes. After that first touchdown drive, he couldn't get past midfield. I think he's allergic to that side. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Yeah, you, you definitely deserve that, L. Okay, go on. <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston over 220 passing yards. I think he finished with like 360. Anytime you can bet an over on passing yards for a guy with a fracture in his back, you do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, he can see now. He got LASIK. He's good. He's, uh, yeah, he's got LASIK and a broken back. Uh, I went I went heavy on the uh, Saints game yesterday. Not sure why, but uh, Chris Olave over thirty eight receiving yards. I Didn't think he, he finished like one thirty eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The his longest catch of the game I think was like forty nine or fifty. All right, um, pretty good. Why did you ask me in the break if I think New Mexico is going to score oh. on UNLV? Are you because I'm some nervous? I'm nervous about UNLV minus fourteen, but. Over 44 and a half. I like it. So you don't want to bet UNLV minus 14, but you do want to bet the over? Yeah. Okay. Why are you afraid of UNLV minus 14? Because it's UNLV and, and them being favored by 14 is a lot. They're going to win if they yeah. win by 10. Okay. I mean, it's a little scary. All right. But you I mean, like... they should have put they should have put Utah State away by 25 on Saturday. Yeah. So you, wait, you like the over, but you're asking me if New Mexico is going to score? Yeah. That's why he wants the over because he. That's why he's asking you about New Mexico because he wants to bet the over. Like, hey, I think UNLV is going to score, but I don't know if New Mexico is yeah. going to score. Like, what are you thinking? You need like ten points from New Mexico? No, because that would be a thirty-five ten game, so they would cover easily. Oh, I, I was just. I think that's like the most like likely score. I don't know. New Mexico is not any good. UNLV's defense is not good enough that they're going to like shut New Mexico out. They're right. going to give up points. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. So you're, I think you're safe. If you if you just need New Mexico to get to like 10 or more points, I think you're safe. If you need them to score like 28, eh, they kind of yeah, suck. You're, yeah. yeah, no, I wouldn't so. I wouldn't ask for that. Okay. But, I was, uh, I I was do... hoping your bet was going to be like some stupid prop on will UNLV shut out New Mexico. No, we don't get college football props here. Yeah. 
Oh, that's too bad. But I have a tonight. I have Ezekiel Elliott over eleven receiving yards. Oh, I hope for my fantasy team. I'm getting dragged. Eleven. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's no fun. Wait. Did anybody come close to seven touchdowns? Mm, I don't think this week. Okay. But mm. two teams have scored six so already. Close. Yeah. Oh, so Adam, close. you missed it. Danny has. No, no. I was here. here. Oh, you <laughs> were. You were. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I know you know about the bet, but the last two weeks, Danny's been in here like, ah. Oh. Dodged a bullet with I, the, what was it, the Dolphins and the, who was week one? The Bills, yeah. Uh, with teams scoring Lindsay, six. Mm-hmm. I made a bet this year that the Rams mm-hmm. will be the first team in the NFL to score seven touchdowns in a game. Well, Lamar Jackson had six by himself yesterday. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not too confident anymore. Why? Because teams Matthew. are getting very close and the Rams are barely scoring right yeah, now. Yeah, Matthew Stafford's <laughs> arm is like. It was the same thing last year, though. Broken. He struggled out of the gate and he got going around week six ish. Can you make it to week six? I got to get through Not four if more weeks. Dish in the way he is. Four more weeks. All right. You bet. You bet. What are you betting this week? Uh, right now, I just have Ezekiel Elliott. No, no. You already looking. What do you want to bet this? Week? I know you want to bet something stupid. Oh, for pro. Um, I, anything. I mean, if you got something else stupid out uh, there, I like I like the Browns. Uh, they're minus two. No, no, no. We're not road. we're not here for your point spread picks. Like, oh, props. Yeah, no, like, props don't go up until Saturday. Okay, but like, what you I can lo- you're, only, you're already looking for Lamar Jackson. Well, I can only see tonight's props, and I do like uh, over three and a half field goals, also over four and a half sacks. Thirty. Oh boy. All right, Adam. Are there gonna be a lot of field goals tonight? There aren't going to be a lot of touchdowns, so ah, come on. go that way. <laughs> it's Danny. It's Danny Dimes. Get some optimism. Adam has cleared his schedule for the Giants game. He's excited. I can't believe I did this. Oh, are you going to regret that? Yep. No, you're not. They're going to win, right? If it makes They're you feel Rush. if it makes you feel any better, I'll be at my stepdaughter's volleyball game as a Cowboys fan, sweating out the game because I also have under two and a half division wins by the Giants. Jesus, you're the worst. Watch it on my your buddy. phone.